and today we continue our series on the gospel, and we're talking about vocalizing the gospel, or sharing the good news with others. Now, a beautiful thing as you age um, is that they recommend you get a yearly physical, and that's one of my favorite activities of the year, going to the doctor and getting a physical. But I know it's the right thing to do. I know it's good to go and get checked out. And a few years ago, I went and I got a physical. And at this one, they said, well, we're going to just do an EKG on your heart to make sure, you know, now you pass that 40 mark, uh, make sure that uh, your heart is doing okay. And so they did this test and they said, something's a little bit off. And so we're going to send you for all these other tests. And you never want to go to the doctor and be told that something's not quite right with your heart or right something's wrong with whatever part of your body. And so this began a couple month journey of going to different tests and other things. And I ended up getting an echo, a cardiogram, which is basically an ultrasound of your heart. And then they're like, we want you to do a stress echo also. And if you've never had a stress echo, it's a wonderful experience. They get your heart rate really high up and then you step off of the treadmill and they lay you down on a table and right away they start doing an echo of your heart. And so I go in for that and they're like, okay, strip down to your waist, get on the treadmill. I'm like, I'm a runner. I don't know how quick my heart rate's going to get up there. And they're like, well, we'll even put your, push your heart rate more since you run. I'm like, oh, great. So they got my heart rate up to about 170 beats per minute. And then literally they're like, get off the treadmill and lay down, lay down. And they checked out my heart. And I said, so doc, you know, I still didn't know if everything was okay or normal. And I asked Doc, you know, does everything look okay? And he, and he said, I wish I had a heart that looked like you. And it was such a sense of relief because that was good news because he could have said something else. But when you get good news, especially when you go to the doctor, there's a sense of relief. And also when you get good news, you want to share it with other people. If you come back to, from the doctor and it's good news, it's pretty easy to share If it's bad news, not quite as easy. So today we're talking about vocalizing the gospel, sharing the good news. And if you want to follow along with me, we're going to be in Romans 10, 14 to 15. We're on the YouVersion app under events if you want to find the notes there, or I'll have some things on the screens too for you to check out. So let's begin with Romans 10, 14 to 15. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Father God, I pray that as we take a look at your word this morning, that you would help us to internalize this good news that you'd help us to understand this good news and then vocalize it, share it with others around us. Father, may you remove me and may we hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me remind you again today, as I've the last few weeks, that the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ is simple. It's not a complicated thing, and it should be easy to share with other people. At Neighborhood Church, we use a book called The Story. And the story breaks the gospel, the good news of Jesus, down into four simple words. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. And if you know those four words, if you want to grab one of these on the way out there on the slat wall or the welcome center, you can learn how to share the gospel in an easy way. That God created us to be with him. That we are his creation, but sin separated us from God through the fall. 
And because of the fall, we needed to be brought back into relationship with God, but we could not do that on our own. So Jesus came on a rescue mission. And in that rescue mission, he lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, resurrected from the dead. And if we believe in him, he will give us eternal life now and forevermore. And one day scripture tells us that he is coming back to restore all things to the way that they were ultimately meant to be. That is the gospel. It's simple. We should know it. We should have internalized it and be able to vocalize it with people around us. Often we make it much more complicated than it really is. Just think about this last week. There's many things that you said that you didn't think about. <laughs> Maybe you needed to, but there was many things you said or did that just came out of your mouth naturally. You might have walked out in with a friend or, a, or somebody else and just shared what was going on in your life because it was such a normal thing for you to do. And the gospel should be a normal thing we share with other people. Now, verse 14 in Romans 10 begins talking about that salvation comes through belief in Jesus. So we need to look and say, where does salvation come from? It's through believing in Jesus. Clearly, Paul is differentiating between two groups of people, those who believe in Jesus and those who don't. And how do we come to discover salvation? By believing in Jesus. Yes, salvation saves us from eternal separation from God, a meaningless existence, a shallow life, a sense of hopelessness, addiction, illness. Salvation is all-encompassing. And Jesus has the power to save us, but we cannot be saved unless we believe. And Paul continues on and says, salvation comes through belief in Jesus, and belief comes through hearing about Jesus. How can we believe in somebody if we haven't heard about him? Now, throughout the world, there's different levels of access to the gospel. Do you know that in some parts of the world, you would have to knock on 30,000 doors to find one person who knows about Jesus and has received Jesus? Now, in the U.S., it seems like there's a church on every corner, but I believe in our culture, a lot of people know about Jesus but do they know the real Jesus? There's many things in our culture that says who Jesus is. You hear things like Jesus is a good person. He's a social activist. He's a pacifist. He's a liar. He's a rebel. He's an immigrant and many more things. And some of these things aren't true and some are. But at the core, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If somebody came up to you and said, who is Jesus? What would you say? What I would say is he is the God-man. He is both God and man. And he has power over all things, and he's able to save you and I. The Apostle Paul states it much more eloquently than I could in Colossians 1, 15 to 20. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also head of the church, which, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. 
For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So again, I ask you, who is the real Jesus? He is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He is supreme over everything. He has created everything through him and by him and for him. And through his physical death and resurrection, he opened up a way for us to be reconciled to God and others. Jesus is the God-man, the savior of the world. So even in our culture, when we say we need to hear about Jesus... We need to hear about the real Jesus. And how can they believe if they have never heard? Belief comes through hearing about Jesus. Paul then continues and says, how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? Hearing comes through sharing Jesus. It's kind of simple. You can't hear unless somebody shares Jesus with you. We need to vocalize the gospel to other people. The word in Greek here can be translated preach. Now right away when you hear this word preach, you think that, Well, Mark's the preacher, and he should be the one preaching about Jesus to other people. You know, when somebody gets up on the stage, they're the preacher. Therefore, it gives me a pass to talk about Jesus, because that's that preacher thing. They, They preach about Jesus, and I can just invite people. No, 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 no. The word here really means to proclaim good news publicly. Now, if you have good news... Are you going to be like, no, there's some other person who has that good news and just wait for them to tell you about it. No, you're going to look at yourself and say, I have good news. I have good news and I want to give it and I want to tell it publicly to my friends, to my coworkers, to other people because I'm holding something that's so good I can't help but share it. If we are passionate about Jesus, it will naturally come out with sharing Jesus with other people. In 1997... I encountered Jesus in the back of a church kind of like this. You know, you want to sit in the back because Jesus doesn't always speak back there, but that's where you can get yourself in trouble too. But I encountered Jesus one night there and it transformed my life and I could not help but tell others about Jesus. I, I, if you're right now feeling like I'm shaming you or you're feeling guilty about not sharing Jesus, that is not what I'm trying to do this morning. I'm trying to remind you that if you have encountered Jesus for yourself, there should be something in the depth of your soul that just wants, wants you to make you share Jesus with others. I remember right around 21 years old was the last time I got drunk, but I still kept going to the bars because I wanted to share Jesus with my friends who did not know Jesus. I would show up there and I showed up there because there was this love that I encountered. There was this man I encountered that had transformed my life and I knew that my friends who were going to the bars did not know about him and I wanted them to hear about him. If Jesus has transformed your life, it should naturally come out with sharing him with others. How can they hear? Unless someone tells them, hearing comes through sharing Jesus. Paul then continues and says, how can they hear if no, if no one is being sent? Sharing Jesus comes through being sent. There's this idea, sisters, brothers, friends, of being sent out as messengers 
In the church, we talk about missionaries being sent out. If you've been around the church for any length of time, you've probably been at some kind of commissioning service where some people have come up for a short-term trip or a long-term mission trip, and the pastors and other people lay hands on them. Jesus, send them out. May they go do the work of the gospel, or even I'm going to a conference this next week, and we're going to have a night where we're sending out missionaries all over the world, and we're going to pray for them and send them out. And easily, by doing that, We can differentiate from them and us. Those are the sent ones, right? Those are the ones that are going. We get to stay here. Those are the ones that are being sent. No, that is not what scripture says. Matthew 28 says, we are all sent ones. The command to all of us is to go. It's not just for people who get up here and have hands laid on them. It is for all of us. We are the sent ones. And if you have been commissioned, we are to go and share about the good news of Jesus. There's a progression that Paul is working through here. And it actually aligns with our own mission statement here. At Neighborhood Church, you already heard uh, Tim say it at the beginning of our gathering, that we desire to see people transformed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and launched on mission. Just let me run you through this real quick. If your life has been transformed by Jesus... He will empower you by his spirit for holy living and mission to share and show Jesus. And if you are sharing and showing Jesus, you are being launched on mission to see other people come to know Christ. It is a cycle. It is not linear. This is how we put it down. It should never end. Because when you encounter Jesus, the natural outflow should be, this is the most incredible thing that has happened to me. I want to share it with somebody else. And through the power of God's spirit, you give it away to somebody else and they say yes to Jesus. They are empowered by God's spirit and they go and share with other people and they come to know Christ. It should be a never ending process until everyone on the whole planet encounters Jesus for themselves. Wouldn't that be a great day? That everyone came to know Christ. But Paul is saying, there's a natural progression here. If you know Jesus, if you have encountered Jesus, it should naturally overflow that you give it away to others. You are the sent ones. You are the sent ones. And finally, Paul finishes by quoting Isaiah 52. And he says this, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And in Isaiah 52, he's saying, sent people bring good news. And the good news that is being talked about in Isaiah 52 is this. Isaiah existed about 700 years before Jesus was born. And at that time in history, Israel had been taken into captivity by Assyria. And in their captivity, Isaiah began to prophesy and proclaim good news. He began by saying that that you're in this situation. It is bad. You are in captivity in another country. But there is liberation coming. There's freedom coming. There's restoration coming. You are going back to your land. Good news has come. Would that sound like good news if you were captive in a different land? Would you be happy to hear that news? You should be. And in the same way, we should be looking and saying, like the Apostle Paul, how beautiful are the free feet that bring good news? What is the good news of Jesus for you and I? There's liberation, there's freedom, there's restoration, there's healing, there's wholeness through Jesus. And there are people around us 
their need of the hope and healing that only comes through Jesus. The word here for good news is where we get the word evangelism from. Now in the modern church, evangelism has fallen out of favor. We don't like to talk about evangelism. Because we feel like if we are doing evangelism, we're trying to coerce somebody, manipulate them, force them to believe in Jesus. I never see that in scripture. And if the gospel is good news, you don't need to force good news on somebody. You don't need to manipulate somebody into believing good news. You don't need to coerce somebody, convince them, or anything else. The good news itself will do that because it is good news. Sent people bring good news. And we are called to be messengers of the good news. When we look at our culture climate in this nation, there is a need for more good news. It seems like anytime I read the news, they can even make good news bad news. Like I was just reading, I'm like, COVID cases are dropping, but just wait, they're coming back up and fall. I'm like, give me a break. Just let me breathe for the summer for a moment. And easily, again and again, we can just be permeated and surrounded with things that feel like bad news. You've probably heard it said, like that statement, I have good news and bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? And maybe I've heard of a kid coming home and say, mom, dad, I have good news and bad news. Good news, the airbags work in the car. Bad news, you might need a new car. Or, or they come home and mom and dad, good news, you're probably not going to have to pay for my college. Bad news, I don't know if I'm going to graduate. And oftentimes we can even make the good news of Jesus into bad news. It is good news. It is the gospel. It is such good news. And and I want to just give you a few examples here. And I know they're simplistic. And you might say, Mark, you're not going into enough detail here. You're not thinking through this on a deeper level. But I just want to put it out to you that the gospel applies to all areas of our lives. It's not just this thing over to the side that we believe in and forget about. And you know, one day we get to go to be with Jesus. No, it applies to every single area of our lives. Think about some of these statements that we hear and we even say ourselves. I'm having trouble with anxiety. I'm stressed out. The the gospel tells us that Jesus says, cast all our cares on him for he cares for us. Jesus says he is the burden barrier, the, the weight lifter. That is the gospel. If you're struggling with feelings of hopelessness or despair, the gospel says there's hope for the hopeless. There's life beyond and you can hold on to things more than your situations. If you're struggling with relationships, the gospel says that Jesus is a restorer of relationship first with God and then with others. And he can meet with you and he can restore relationship with God and then from there begin to repair relationships here. You might be saying, man, I'm struggling financially. I don't know if I'm going to make it. The gospel says my God will provide for all my needs. It didn't say that he would give us everything we wanted, but he said he will meet your needs and he will meet your needs and he will transform your view of money and how you relate to money but he is there for you even in your financial conditions you might be saying I'm worried about death 
I've heard so many people who are paranoid about death and even followers of Jesus. The gospel says that death is not the final word. And today, if you got COVID and died tomorrow, that is not the worst thing that could happen as a follower of Jesus. Because the gospel says you have eternal life with God forever. You are in a place of perfection and wholeness and peace with Jesus. But we walk around in fear here because I believe we don't take the good news for ourselves. Now, if you're hearing me say, go and be stupid, you've missed the point. But the gospel is good news. It applies to all areas of our life. The gospel applies to our sexuality and it says, you know, the world says, go and do whatever with whoever, however. And the gospel says, no, I've created that area of your life beautiful and sacred and special and as a reflection of my relationship with you as humanity. And to discover that is amazing compared to what our culture communicates. The gospel is good news. Another thing in our culture that that has bothered me deeply is cancel culture. And cancel culture says that if you have made a mistake in your life, doesn't matter how long ago, you could have wrote something down on like, you know, the Etch-A-Sketch back in the 1970s. And somebody's like, look at, look at what that person drew when they're four years old. They, they can no longer be a part of this society because of that mistake they made. There is no redemption in ca- cancel culture. It says there's no hope. You cannot come back. But the gospel says there's good news. It says if, if I lived a cancel culture, I would have to cancel out all my kids, my wife, myself. Like, I I couldn't even live with myself because I know that I am broken. I've made mistakes and I will continue to make mistakes. But the gospel says there's redemption, there's healing, there's wholeness. And we need to live the gospel, the good news of Jesus, not just for us, but we need to give it away to others. The gospel is good news. So I simply ask you, Do you know the good news? Have you heard the good news? Do you know the real Jesus? And if you know him, if you've internalized that, I simply want to say this to finish up. But how can they hear? How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. May you know the good news. May you internalize the good news. And may you vocalize the good news to those around you. Our world is in desperate need of a savior. And if we have good news, let's share it with others. It is good news. Father our God, I pray that we would be people who do not just keep this good news to ourselves. Lord, when I talk to people, I see again and again the brokenness, the struggles, the search for meaning and purpose that only you can truly bring through the good news. And God, may we be those messengers. May we not keep that to ourselves 
And God, this is a guilt-free message. If anyone's feeling shame, guilt, or anything else for not sharing the good news, may you take that away and may you just breathe such life into us that we will want to give it away, not because we have to, but because we want to share the good news with those around us. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.